This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Dental and DSO podcast. I'm really thrilled today to welcome Jason Corcus, president of Sonrisa Family Dental and My Health Dentistry. Jason, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you, Laura. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There are so many things happening in the dental space, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Uh, sure. You know, I graduated from the University of Michigan Dental School in, in 1999, and I've been practicing in Chicago ever since. Um, you know, I started out in Little Village, which is a Hispanic area of Chicago, um, learning how to speak Spanish there. I decided to bring my company into those areas a lot at, in 2004 is when I first opened my first practice. And um, I've been working alongside medical centers ever since uh, to kind of create a you know, one-stop for medical and dental care type of facility um, that kind of you know, cross-pollinates with, with the different patients. So you know, it limits our marketing expenses um, and allows our patients to get full coordination of care. Currently, we have about you know, 10 to 12 offices right now I've, you know, in the Chicago area, and then I have one in Georgia right now, and I'm adding a few more down there now. That's amazing. And, you know, it's just so interesting to hear about uh, the growth and development of your practice. So what uh, inspired you to really expand in the way that you have? Um, a lot of it's, you know, through the process of, you know, the uh, area of least resistance. Um, once I had a proof of concept working with medical centers and actually coordinating care with them, uh, it allowed me to transition to other clinics and open up more locations within inside their medical centers. And um, ever since then, it's just been, a, you know, I'm a slow mover. I'm not, you know, I don't have any private equity money behind me. You know, I just uh, kind of develop these relationships and, uh, you know, maximize the care for the patients that we, you know, that we have. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And I know that that's something, you know, more um, dental leaders, whether it's at the large uh, DSO level or at the smaller local uh, dental office level, are really trying to figure out how to bridge that gap and um, really connect with the other medical providers to focus on the whole patient care, including the oral health care. So it's really neat and exciting that you've been able to do that. And, and as you mentioned, have a model that works. Yeah, that's been really uh, interesting. I, I've, been, I've been seeing this, trying to do this for years. And uh, the biggest thing I heard of the other day was, I think it's Pacific Dental, the DSO out there, Pacific. They yeah. actually instituted using Epic, Dental, Epic Medical Records, and they, Epic has a dental component. Since most medical companies, uh, hospitals, uh, medical groups use Epic now as their uh, electronic medical record, uh, there's a dental component that was never really strong enough for us to use. But since they're actually going full force and adding a thousand clinics, their dental clinics into Epic, I think it, it must be at the phase right now where there's going to be more uh, more coordination of care, and then that's where everything is headed to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just fascinating to see. Now, what other trends are you following most closely today in dentistry as well as healthcare in general? Well, I mean, right now, I think there is just a large. Uh, I guess, excitement in the area of coordination of care. And that, that's where everything's going to be. Everyone, those are going to be the buzzwords now for the next, you know, two to five years, I think. Because, um, you know, if you can get, you know, contracted with medical groups, um, then you're going to be able to uh, uh, work, you know, within their systems too, and you're going to have a better flow of patients rather than trying to reach out and, you know, spend a lot of uh, marketing dollars. I think it's going to be an easier transition to bring patient care into, uh, from medical institutions into your practice. And as long as you're having the correct, you know, facility as far as IT component where you can, you know, kind of share records or exchange information, 
uh, I think it's going to allow for a more cooperative approach to providing better medical care, too. Um, and, you know, also it's the, the constant feedback now. We've been saying this for 20 years that good oral health allows for good, good physical health overall. And we're especially seeing that in pregnant patients. You know, we've always seen that people with periodontal disease that are pregnant have, you know, lower birth weight babies. In addition, you know, you have people that have diabetes and uh, other comorbidities that, you know, if their oral health is poor, the rest of their health is going to be poor. Uh, and, you know, they, they go in tandem, they're hand in hand. If we can increase the ability for those patients to be seen on a perio recall status, um, I think we're going to have overall health, lower medical bills, things like that going forward. Absolutely. That's great to hear. And certainly a goal within the healthcare system is just to really have those lower costs and streamline things. And it's fascinating to think about all the connections that oral healthcare has to the rest of the, the body in, in how you can, you know, really impacts and affects the way that people's overall health tends to go. Sure thing. You know, they always said, you know, you are what you eat. And you know, <laughs> we, as long as we keep that area clean, I think it's, you know, your body's going to be clean too. It's, it is very important. Um, the, the only thing I'm having trouble understanding, though, is, you know, they're always trying to look at a value-based health care system, uh, especially for medical, you know, say, you know, paying a, a capitation rate for your health insurance, you know, whatever dollar it is, and, and then they're reimbursing uh, you seeing that patient as a value, uh, making sure they're healthier and you get more money if they're healthier. I don't know how that's going to work in the dental world because we're such a fee-for-service fixed, you know, area that I don't think... It's very hard for me to understand how we can incorporate it into a value-based system. It's been tried many times with capitation programs, you know, throughout the country uh, with different insurances, but I don't, I don't see those having a lot of um, push going forward to, to incorporate more of that into our, into our system. Yeah, I think we're yeah. going to have some discussions, and it's going to take a long time to get into a value-based system. I, I just don't know what that would look like, and I'm excited to kind of see if there is a, is a future for that or, or if we're going to stick in the fee-for-service model. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems like in healthcare overall, it's kind of had fits and spurts of being something that is really focused on and almost a buzzword um, in different sectors. And then it kind of gets pulled back because it is so challenging to actually do that and incorporate the new system um, based on, you know, all that it, the resources it takes, whether it's on the technology side or or on um, really the, the risk side as well. But from your perspective, is there anything else that you really see as being exciting about the future of dentistry and, and what as well makes you nervous? Um, excitement is I think there's a lot more education in dentistry, which is going to really help overall medical health then, whether it's through TikTok or, or you know, YouTube videos. You're having more dental awareness. Their dental IQ is increasing, as you would say. And I think you're going to see healthier and better choices by patients going forward into more ideal what they think, what they want, what they need, and understanding things better. We do a lot of outreach and Head Start programs with uh, children in the city of Chicago, and uh, we do a lot of educational training, not only with the children being you know, three, four, and five years old on brushing techniques and what to eat, but also to the parents so that they can do the tell-show-do with their kids. Like, I am brushing my teeth. Look at what I'm doing. So there's going to be a more stronger implementation of education. As far as um, you know, the risk side of, uh, of going forward is you know, there's always an increase in staffing costs for us. Uh, reimbursements are not changing. Insurance reimbursements, you know, where's their 10% that they, they should be increasing as our costs have gone up 10% too, you know. Um, and then also, you know, supply costs are really expensive. So we're just trying to figure out where that median is. Do we have to pull up back out of, you know, having PPO insurance? 
or do we, you know, stay with it, renegotiate? You know, who's going to be renegotiating for us? Is it the ADA? Are they are they looking at this as a, you know, something that's an emergent uh, situation that needs to be accounted for? You know, um, or are we going to go more into, into simple fee for service and then and then no no more insurance? Um, these are the things that are a little bit uh, troubling going forward, you know, and I wish I had better answers for that right now. But um, I haven't seen too much movement yet. I'm, I'm hopeful, though, that things will be allocated correctly going into the future. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And definitely, you know, in looking at where those resources are headed, um, it, as you mentioned, it would be good if they're allocated in a way that really uh, focused on patient care and was allowed that bridge for um, the oral health as well as overall health care because the two just are, are so important to each other. Now, I know we talked a little bit at, at the beginning of our conversation about how you've grown your practice in the past, but what are your plans for the future? What investments do you think make sense? Well, I can say this, that all of my practices I've started as the de novo practices, and I do think going forward, as I'm getting older now, um, you know, it's going to be a lot better for me just to start purchasing practices, and you know, I did one in Georgia, and it's just a lot better transition. You know, we already have the infrastructure in place to manage the practices at our DSO level here, but uh, to start to know with a little bit more effort, and, you know, as I get a little older, I'm a little, you know, I still got young kids, I'm a little tired, and I, I prefer to do practice transition through, uh, you know, purchase and, and rather than the de novo start. So that's where Sonarisa is headed. Uh, we are also looking at doing more of, um, you know, kind of a administrative services, like, you know, as a more of a true DSO instead of owning the practices is taking over uh, dental offices and sharing administrative services with them, you know, of how we operate, where we can do all the back office, like a true DSO. It's, um, that, that's going to help out too. So we're going to be focusing on finding those practices that need help and then, um, you know, allocating our services to them. Fantastic. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a really interesting discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Okay. Well, listen, and uh, thanks so much, Laura, and I will be speaking with you soon, I hope.